Welcome back to Friend Crush. I'm your host, Amber Akilla. This is my podcast where I talk about stuff and things, cute, chaotic, and critical thinking. I'm a DJ slash creative consultant, and you can follow me on Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, on Spotify and SoundCloud for mixes and playlists. Thank you so much for tuning in. This is going to be the final episode of season three. I think it'll be episode 22 for this season. There's season one and season two. Honestly, I started this podcast with like little to no expectations. If I could get like a hundred streams, I was like, okay, I've accomplished something. So I'm really grateful for the feedback that I've received, especially on the last season, because I guess it coincided with just me being more active on TikTok and social media about the podcast. And I appreciate anyone that's been sharing the podcast with their friends or letting me know that they've enjoyed certain episodes and sending in questions. So yeah, I'm very grateful. This is a vibe check. So vibe check slash q and I'm going to try and run through like different questions that I've received and wrap up this season and then I'll leave a space underneath this episode if there's like anything I've touched on that you want a whole episode on maybe um and yeah anything that I might have received but don't necessarily cover in this episode I might be planning on scheduling it for a full episode later I'm just gonna like literally see how much I can fit into like 45 minutes and if I need to do a part two I will so I hope everyone is doing well. Vibe check from my end, I'm doing okay. I have a lot of things that I need to like, I don't know, just kind of like go through, see through. I have like limited control at this point in terms of what the outcomes are. And I'm just trying to like go with the flow and not freak out too much. So that's great. Um, You know, sometimes you need to just sort of sit back in the areas that you know that you can't really do anything about like in the present moment and just sort of like try to let go of like anxious thoughts and feelings that might come up if you focus too long on the things you can't control. At least that's what I've what I've learned from experience and what I'm trying to put into practice. And for the most part, it's been working. (laughs) Although, you know, there's always like discomfort and uncomfortable moments that just sort of need to be sat in rather than necessarily like acted upon or uncomfortable feelings that, yeah, are more, it's better for me to just process on my own first before deciding what I do about it if that makes any sense, you know, because sometimes we're like triggered by things and then you have this like ghost anxiety for how you might have um, responded or reacted to before knowing that like the outcome doesn't really work in your favor. And then having that awareness now and the wisdom to take a step back and assess the feeling, observe the thought, maybe journal it out, maybe go for a walk, maybe just distract yourself with something else until you're kind of like back into a neutral place and you can choose more wisely, like what you're going to do instead to sort of break that old habit or pattern. So that's what I've been trying to do. But anyway, 
Let's get to some questions that I received firstly on the Instagram account at friend.crush for those who are not aware and we'll see what um, I can respond to. Okay, straight off the bat, <laughs> love your podcast, how to recognize and deal with your own toxicity. So I think sometimes it's really easy to get caught up in like a victim, play the victim card or feel like so helpless in the outcomes of your relationships or of situations, etc. But there's a difference between it being your fault and recognizing like where your responsibility lies when it comes to a certain situation. So it's not your fault that bad things happen necessarily. Bad things might have happened to you. But once something, you know, is over, you can kind of reflect and think, okay, what do I know now that I wish I could tell the person that was going into that situation? You know, like sometimes you just don't know until you've been through something and just being able to ask yourself, like, why did I make the decisions that I made and did it have anything to do with the other person or was it because of something that I had been through in the past and that was kind of like coming up again in this situation? So, for example, like say you are in a new relationship with someone and your previous partner cheated on you. So when the new partner is like, you feel like they're not being clear about where they were or they're being kind of like, you know, they just communicate in a way that's very surface level or they don't go into a lot of detail about where they were. Maybe that triggers a feeling in you about your previous partner cheating on you. And then you project that onto the next person. And you don't know for sure yet if this new person is the same as your part, as your previous partner. And you kind of need to strike a balance between like giving someone the benefit of the doubt in the early stages as you're getting to know them. And also listening to your intuition, which is different to listening to your anxiety, choosing what you act upon, giving people a little bit of space to just show you who they are. And then also communicate to them how you might be feeling if you feel comfortable doing that. Like I think for me personally, like when I'm at early stages of getting to know someone, I have had experiences where I've felt like triggered by certain things. And it's not that I have to communicate it to that person because it's actually not their responsibility to like heal me from whatever my previous experiences have been. But for me to just take stock of myself, notice the feeling, observe the thought, and just like ask myself how I want to move forward, you know, and also remember that it's not about trusting other people as much as it is about trusting yourself in spite of what happens to you, what you experience next, being able to say like, no matter what you have your own back, even if whoever in your life may or may not, like you don't control that. So all you can really control is how you're going to deal with things and building resilience is really important. It's not in my opinion it's like naive to think that you can just get by in life with everything going your way we need to experience contrast so yeah knowing that you were toxic at one point means that you have the opportunity to learn unlearn that toxicity you can't help that certain things have happened and that you've processed them in certain ways that may or may not have been beneficial to you but once you have that awareness now you have a choice, right? Before you didn't have the awareness, you felt like you could only do A or B. Now you have awareness, you could do A or B. Maybe you don't want to do either of those. And now you can consciously choose to do C or D or E. 
Next question. When is the men's point of view episode coming out? Okay. So I still want to work on the boy confessions episodes. I'm probably going to record them over like the next two months, maybe like two or three of them and have them scattered out in the next season. But yeah, I'm trying to be mindful of like how I word things and like the approach to it so that it can be, you know, more on the chaotic side when it comes to the cute chaotic critical (laughs) thesis of this podcast. But also I still want it to be like somewhat insightful and I want to feel like the guys that I interview are getting something out of it as well. You know, it's not just me like making fun of them for 45 minutes. (laughs) I need another part on the navigating adult friendships column. So I think for me, when it comes to adult friendships, they're so different to the friendships you have when you're younger, when you're in school, because when you're an adult, everybody starts to kind of like veer off into like their own specific lanes according to their goals, long-term goals, or like whatever their journey might be, their career. And I think you need to be a lot more intentional with your friendships when you're older, like when you love and respect and support someone, even if you might not see each other that often, even if you might not communicate on a daily basis, just making the time to see each other and both being committed to making time and communicating to each other that you do want to see each other and setting aside those plans to make sure that you're like intentionally connecting. I feel like that's the most important thing for me when it comes to adult friendships. Like there are friends that I might not speak to for months. And even if we just have like a very brief Instagram DM or like send each other a meme or something just to remind each other we're thinking of each other and then we'll set aside time to like do a proper call if they live in another place or we'll set aside a time to go for a walk together if we live in the same place or go for a drink or get dinner. I just feel like it's hard to expect adult friends to be around in the same capacity as like your younger teenage friend era, if that makes sense. I mean, just for me personally, I'm sure there are people who have like a really solid group of adult friends that they can hang out with all the time. But I feel like even that is always going to sort of ebb and flow according to the stages of life that everyone in the group is in, you know. But yeah, if you have any other specific questions on adult friendships, let me know. Best friends who go back with their toxic ex question. Okay, so this was a question in the question box, but then I also received um, a message about it. Let me just see if it was from the same person. So my question didn't fit entirely, but my best friend has been on and off with this boyfriend since 2016. She knows going back to him isn't the best for her. She said the other week that relationships are about survival for her now, we're 24, and she brushes over him in every conversation. They're finally back together officially after a three-year break. He has been pining for her for US visa purposes and says she'll never find a love like him. She says she'll never find a love like him, but she knows better. I just don't know if I should distance myself or try to support her in something I don't actually support. Thank you, Amber Illy. Okay, cute. So in terms of that last bit of the message, not like the first part. Okay. The thing about growing up and having friends that you love making dumb bitch decisions, whether you are the person that's being the dumb bitch in the situation or it's your friend is that sometimes, unfortunately, like people just have to go through what they are choosing to go through. Even if a part of them says that they know better, even if you know better for them and you want better for them, that is just like a painful part of loving someone sometimes, I think. You know, it's like 
you're just not done till you're done, whether it's you or another person and everybody's rock bottom and everyone's limits are going to be different. Like you're kind of triggered by this because it's like, you know, that you would not ever want to be in that situation. That is an indicator for how you feel about what she's doing, but how she feels about what she's doing is actually different to how you feel about what she's doing. And ultimately it's like our subjective experiences determine like whether we enjoy life or not. And how other people want to enjoy their life is actually not really much about, it's like not really our business. You know what I mean? Like if you focus on you living your best life, that will naturally attract other people who are doing what you're doing and want to support and respect you and love you for that. And you can still love and respect your friend. But I think once you've said your piece on like their situation, if they've asked you for advice, whether they take it or not is not up to you. And people just have to, you know, go through whatever they're choosing to go through and deal with the consequences in order to probably learn a lesson. And it's really unfortunate because, you know, you can sometimes you know that a car is going to crash, but that doesn't mean you can get in the car. And that's going to make much of a difference, right? Because everyone ultimately has to be in the driver's seat of their own life, whether or not they're assuming that role. And you getting into the passenger seat with them when they're about to go on like a journey that you yourself wouldn't want to go on doesn't necessarily make any different. Now two of you are taking an L. So I think if you've already said what you feel that you can say on this, obviously you must have if it's gotten to a point where you need to message me about it. I think take a step back from engaging in conversations around it and just tell her, you know, you love her and you're going to be there for her as much as you can if she needs. You don't think it's a good idea, but regardless of what happens, you'll be there for her. Maybe that's how I feel. That's how I feel when I have friends that are going through something. It's like, look, I don't think that it's a great idea what you're doing based on my personal experience. Don't let me tell you what to do. I can only give you perspective. You're going to do whatever you're going to do. I'm still going to love you regardless. Um, I'm not going to conditionally love you the way that it sounds like this person who's trying to get a visa off your friend is. So yeah, I don't know. Sometimes it's like another way to like indirectly support someone is like, don't talk to her about the problems with the boyfriend because that can cause people to like double down on their decisions. Instead, you can share, you know, advice or materials and resources that you found that have helped you be more self-assured and hope that, you know, maybe she picks up what you're putting down and she'll learn something indirectly in that way. I find that if you're too confrontational about the choices that somebody makes, they can get defensive about it and then actually makes it worse and causes more divide between the two of you. Just a thought. Okay, next question. So there's a few in this one. Been loving your podcast. Lots of food for thought. Might be a tad long, um, but I thought I'd send you some topics to get your take on. So decision-making. I know a lot of people struggle with this. I do too. Often stems from putting yourself second, trying to juggle pleasing others while still doing what's best for you, trying to keep the peace, just spiraling and overthinking. Okay. So when it comes to decision-making, definitely something that I've been trying to work on a lot and it's an ongoing process. And to be honest, I feel like it's taken me two years of consistent practice, returning to myself, listening to my intuition, making decisions that seem uncomfortable because I might be disappointing someone, but ultimately knowing that it's better for everyone if I feel confident and secure in my decision 
And, you know, when, when someone's like requesting something from you, it's like, I need to feel good about what I'm doing or agreeing to as well. So, and anybody that respects you is going to respect that, right? They're asking for something from you, whether you want to give it to them or not, whether you're capable, whether you feel comfortable, that's actually your decision. And you can't assume that someone else is going to know what that boundary is for you, right? So like, for example, I'm currently in a position where I can't put myself at risk of getting sick and I've been offered to do certain gigs or certain jobs that would put me at risk of being exposed to germs. So even though I really want to do the work um, and I would love to be on board and I feel bad about disappointing someone who has gone out of their way to you know, think of me as suitable for a job and request me for it, I've had to say no, because I know that like I have other things that I need to worry about right now and I can't be putting my health at risk and then taking an L for something that ultimately is a very small part of whatever my long-term goal is. Nobody has taken offense to me saying no. They've completely understood where I'm coming from when I explain to them like, I'd really love to do this. I just can't, unfortunately, because of X, Y, Z. And they're more than happy and understanding of that. So I think sometimes you're anticipating that someone's going to be angry at you or that someone's disappointment towards your decision to say no is going to like completely shift their opinion of you and they're going to decide you're a bad person. I mean, anybody that does that is messed up anyway. You don't want them in your life. As long as you're communicating respectfully and being kind in your delivery, the right people are going to be okay with that. And you're not going to be down and out on opportunities if you're communicating in an honest way. So my main point when it comes to this sort of thing and like recovering from people pleasing is that at the end of the day, you need to ask yourself, what is more important to you, your opinion of yourself or other people's opinion of you. And it doesn't mean that when your opinion of yourself is important, other people are going to have a bad opinion of you. It just means that you have to sit with the opinion of yourself that you've created in your mind, right? And that can be sometimes other people's opinions of you live in your head with more priority than your opinion of yourself. So it's a practice to make sure that you're doing things and reflecting on the type of person that you want to be and the type of person that you are, you have been, and making sure that you're acting in a way that is in accordance with that. You're being authentic in terms of knowing what your values are, allowing them to change and adjust at different times in your life, and then making sure that you're acting in accordance with them. So at the end of the day, what's more important to you, your opinion of yourself or other people's opinion of you? And sometimes it's other people's opinion. Other people are just random ass people who you might never see or speak to ever again, you know? And we are somehow like allowing that to have more weight on our self-opinion than our own opinion. Make sure that you sit with yourself and be okay with disappointing other people because you've been disappointed before. That's why you're kind of like, you don't want to create that feeling in somebody else, but you're still here. Okay. You didn't die. So make sure that you take the time to reflect on like what your limits are, what your boundaries might be. And your boundary is how you respond to other people's behavior, not you expecting other people to do something to make you feel better. It's like, when somebody does X, I respond with Y. Not when somebody does X, I tell them to do Y to make me feel better. It's like, what am I going to do? So like, if you have a tendency to put other people's needs before your own, 
when somebody asks you to do something, instead of feeling like you have to say yes, you might take two hours before you decide whether you want to commit to something or not. You might take that time to reflect before giving a response because sometimes you kind of like respond, react um, out of anxiety or fear and then you agree to do something that you might not really want to do. So taking, you might start off with like, okay, I'm going to spend more time thinking about what I can and can't commit to. That's my boundary. If somebody raises their voice at you or throws an insult at you, your boundary might be to exit the conversation (laughs) and talk to someone else or ignore what they're saying and keep it moving. You know, there are so many different ways that we can respond to things. And when you have an idea of how you ideally can respond to things, then, you know, there's always going to be certain circumstances where you might adjust according to what is at stake or whatever. So reflection is the key. Confrontation in all kinds of relationships and situations. When is it necessary and when does it create needless drama? Any tips on how to face confrontation for people who are scared of it? Okay, so look, confrontation, not my forte. Okay, I can run my mouth and talk a lot of shit. I can be sassy around my own ideas and around whatever content that I push out. But on a, and I can also like fight people in the comments if I need to. which I don't really enjoy doing, but if a push comes to shove and you catch me in the wrong mood, I will come for your throat. But on an interpersonal level, I do not enjoy conflict because, you know, I feel like as I've gotten older, I have a clearer sense of who I am. I accept myself. I do my best to accept others as they are. And because of that, there is less and less need for conflict because I'm not trying to change anyone's mind. I'm not trying to change anyone's behavior to suit what I think think like the way that I think things should be, you know, I'm going to share my ideas, my perspective, people who resonate with it will resonate with it. People who don't resonate with it don't, I don't need to change anyone's mind. So to me, I feel like confrontation comes up when you're trying to get someone to see things the way that you see them, or you think that they should see them your way, or they think you should see it their way. And it's like, when you're comfortable in who you are and how you think and how you feel, you're not really going to give a shit about what other people like are doing and the need for confrontation becomes a lot more limited and you know pick your battles kind of thing um I think there's a difference between confrontation and just like uncomfortable communication like communicating about things that you would rather not communicate about but you ultimately know like you need to have a discussion around I don't feel like that is confrontation I think difficult conversations are a part of life and relationships and having the courage to do that bring up topics um, that are affecting you in your relationships or friendships is important because you if you care enough about a relationship you're going to want to smooth out those kinks right and having insight into whether you and that other person are on the same page or not, or if they can hold space for you and vice versa is important because you don't want to go further into something, not addressing something that is going to affect your relationship. And then later down the line, invest more and get an answer that you don't want. I think sometimes it's better to know earlier on and just accept incompatibilities as they are rather than like trying to deny that they might be there and then you know sunken cost fallacy kicks in and you're like I've already dedicated so much time to this how can I 
walk away from it, better to know as soon as possible. And once you've had that like difficult conversation, uncomfortable communication, and you've worked through it together, that actually makes your relationship stronger. So that's kind of how I think about it. You know, like if I really care about someone, if I really care about the friendship or relationship that I'm creating or that I've built with someone, having a difficult conversation with them in a kind and understanding and empathetic way, like making sure that my delivery is empathetic, making sure that I'm giving them space to just to share how they feel and we're meeting as equals, that shows that I care about the relationship, I care about them and our ability to work through that makes our relationship stronger, okay? Because you need to have contrast, ups and downs. The friends that you're going to hold on to the longest, the friends that are going to be around the longest are the ones that are going to see you through highs and lows, not just riding the highs, right? Because imagine like, you know, if you have like acquaintances or party friends, you just see them for a good time, but you don't feel that connected to them because they don't really know anything about you. They don't know what you've really been through. They haven't seen you through the come down, only the come up. (laughs) Um, And yeah, there's nothing, it doesn't make them bad people or anything. It's just like the nature of your relationship is different. And I think the meaningful ones, the important ones are the ones where you're able to work through like the dark, sticky bits together. So I think, yeah, it is important to pick your battles. Like, and when you start from a place of self-acceptance, self-compassion, acceptance for others as they are, you know, everybody has their good traits and their flaws or like their little um, idiosyncrasies and you need to accept people as they are and then decide what you will and won't allow into your life, right? Nobody is perfect, not even you, not even me. And being able to recognize like, okay, look, this is my friend. I love her. She has a tendency to date losers. You know, she's just going to have to go through that on her own, but I love her anyway. I don't need to constantly confront her about her decision-making and love. I just need to maybe pick how much time I want to spend, time and energy I can spend talking to her when she's complaining about boys, right? Um, Or maybe like, you know, you have a friend who maybe... You know, it's kind of like what is affecting your life and what is just something that they're dealing with, right? And when when something starts to take away from how you're feeling and your ability to manage your own life, that's when you can set a hard boundary and think about not even having to confront, but just like pulling away a little bit. Now I'm kind of more in the mindset of like, if I don't like something, I'm just going to focus my energy on something that I do like and things will just naturally fall into place that way. And if a confrontation is required, then I'm going to do it in the most civil way possible. But I don't feel a need to constantly declare like what I'm not happy about (laughs) when it comes to certain things, because when I'm focusing on what I like, what makes me feel good, what feels expansive, what feels healthy, I'm just not going to be around like the toxic stuff as much. It doesn't mean it doesn't come up, but I'm just I don't even have the energy to entertain it because I'm focused on other things. More specific request. Did your move to Shanghai cause any conflict in your family? Did you experience different treatment from them when you were there or pressure to go back to Australia? Did it help you understand them better? My parents are immigrants and my temporary-ish, okay, it's been almost four years, return to our country of origin triggered a lot of tension between us and they seemed disappointed and frustrated by my decision to live here. And although therapy has helped a lot, I'm still struggling to accept my parents' disapproval. Ideally, I'd approach it with empathy, knowing that I'm in a different country filled with difficult memories for them, but it still feels unfair. 
Have you dealt with anything similar? Thank you for making the internet a better place. No. Okay, so it's hard when you are the child of immigrants who left your mother country to build a better life for you, basically, in seek of a better life for them, regardless of whether you were born or not, and then, like, um, you know, working their ass off to give you privilege and opportunities, which I'm sure you're grateful for. But then, you know, the world changes, and now there are a lot of opportunities in the places that our parents left for us as their children, as a different generation. When I first wanted to move to Shanghai, my mom didn't really get it either, but I just told her I wanted to go. <laughs> I couldn't explain why to anyone. I just knew that I had to go there, and I don't regret that decision at all. And there still is a part of my mom who, you know, she's like, well, I don't know why you want to live there um, or would prefer me to be here with her because it's so different the way that your relationship with your parents changes as you get older. Um, but yeah, I think it's tough, but at the end of the day, it's like, whose life are you living? Even though you can be so grateful for what your parents have done for you in setting you up to put you in this position to move to a place that I'm, it sounds like you're happy in, um, you can still accept the fact that, you know, now you're able to make your own decisions. And if you are happy where you're at, communicate that to your parents, you know, just say, look, I'm so grateful for everything that you've done for me to be able to put me in this position where I now I'm so happy with the life that I live. I'm so grateful. I wouldn't have been able to do that without your sacrifices. And I just want you to know that I'm so happy with the decision that I've made. And like, isn't it important for you that I'm happy? I don't love you any less because I've decided to do this. I'm so grateful for, you know, the life that I've had, the life that I have. And yeah, if they don't get that, then that's just on them, I guess. And it sucks, you know, like a lot of parents do get stuck in these outdated ideas of certain things. That's just a generational thing, I think. And yeah, I think as long as you feel good about your decision, you're focused on living your best life, eventually, I hope they will see that. And obviously I don't know you personally and I don't know what your parents are like, but that's kind of like the best that we can hope for, that our parents can at least accept that we've made certain decisions that maybe aren't in line with them while also expressing that we're grateful for the sacrifices that they have made to put us in a position to make that kind of decision, you know? And yeah, I think then you get to a point where it's just like, it just is what it is, love. You need to radically accept. If you're happy with what you're doing, again, what's more important, your parents' opinion of you or your opinion of yourself? And you can kind of like placate your parents here and there as you need, like make sure you're managing the relationship and their ego sometimes, but yeah, it feels unfair. It is unfair, but life is not fair. So I think the best thing to do is just accept, accept that that is how they feel and knowing that you might, there's nothing that you can necessarily say that can change their mind, but the best like chance you have of doing that is showing to them how happy you are, where you are, you know, like, um, in the episode that I did with Kiki, she talks about how her parents didn't really understand her wanting to be a full-time influencer and dropping out of university. But when they saw that she was able to make her own money and sustain and support herself, suddenly they came around and that obviously takes time as well. So 
I think it's hard to accept parental disapproval, but again, focus on yourself. What makes you feel good? Do you feel truly happy where you are? If so, that's a huge achievement. You have so much to be grateful for and you can only hope that by you continuing to embody that, that your parents will come around. And if they don't, then it's your life, you know, like you can't live your life for other people and think that that somehow is going to make you more satisfied with your life, right? Because at the end of the day, like what you really want is always going to keep coming up to the surface, whether it's in the form of your dreams, the conflicts that you have, the physical pains or like illnesses that you experience, the psyche must be heard. So if you're living authentically, it gets easier to care a lot less about how other people think you should leave, how you should live. You know what I mean? What is a conversation topic that fascinates you right now? That's a really tough question because I feel like I could literally talk about anything. Actually, I've been thinking about like, (laughs) this is so random, the way that celebrities who have very obviously had plastic surgery or work done, the way that they just straight up lie about it. Like it's so obvious that they've had work done and yet they continue to deny the fact that they've had it. And then basically like gaslighting their audience, especially the impressionable part of their audience and saying they haven't had work done when they clearly have. And I just find it so bizarre because it's like, if you want to appear authentic to an audience and you're lying about something that's so obvious, what else are you lying about? You know, like to me that invalidates their whole persona because it's like you're lying about like literally the flesh on your bones. How can you be authentic about anything else? You know, like that's kind of like foundational to the way that people perceive you. I don't know. I just find it very interesting. I can understand why people lie about it to a degree, but it's also like, just don't address it then. Just say nothing instead of pretending that it's something that it's not. I find that so weird. What is something you wish you were taught as a young girl? I wish I was taught that most men are just fighting demons (laughs) within themselves and it's not my problem to fix that for them. They're either going to take it in their stride, take responsibility for it or not. It's not my problem to fix. I don't need to fix anyone else but me, period. Okay. There are people that are going to ask you for help that want to collaborate with you, you can work together with, that is different to trying to drag someone along on a journey that they're not ready for, don't want to go on, not capable of going on, right? That's something I wish I was taught as a child. Also, just being able to own my feelings and listen to my intuition. I think I've been good-ish at that, or I've always had an awareness of it, But it has taken the last few years for me to really hone in on like trusting myself and being able to embrace the fact that you do experience like unpleasant feelings and that's okay. That's what allows you to experience contrast and then appreciate the good things too. And there are lessons that come from really difficult times in life. And I think even though I'm really grateful for the way that I was raised, that's definitely something that I was only recently in the last few years, able to actually communicate with my mum about and for her to sort of understand it instead of this sort of like invalidation or like dismissal of feelings, like they are so important in 
seeing how we interact with the world, better understanding ourselves, better understanding our relationships. So, yeah, that's something I wish I was taught as a child. And, yeah, definitely the, like, you don't need to change anybody. You don't need to bring someone along for something that they're not ready for, they don't want to go on, might not even be capable of. Just keep it moving, honey. What does a healthy texting relationship look like with someone you're dating? Like, how long is too long? Okay, I don't know where the rest of that is. What does a healthy texting relationship look like with someone you're dating? Okay, well, for me personally, I prefer, you know, making sure that we're in communication when we are trying to make plans and not having to rely too much on digital communication to maintain the relationship because I definitely think, like, in terms of romantic relationships, it's important to be in the same place, be able to see each other and spend time together on a regular basis. Um, So that's my personal preference. But I think it does depend from person to person. Some people are really active in text and they enjoy that and it's compatible. Love that for them. Other people maybe less so. So I think it's important to develop an awareness of like what is truly beneficial to you and healthy for you because sometimes you like the idea of someone being obsessed with you via text and wanting to talk to you all the time digitally but ultimately that might cause you to like not prioritize your own needs and your own whatever your goals are get in the way of that and then you start to resent yourself because you've given up too much time to chatting on your phone and not like getting shit done speaking from experience so that's why now I'm more about like you know little cute messages here and there but making sure that we're intentional with spending time together and not relying so much on like digital communication. Like for me, I use social media to communicate with a general kind of audience, I guess. And I wanna actually spend time with my friends, like whether it's in person, whether it's making sure we have time to do a proper call if we're not living in the same place. I don't wanna have to rely on just digital communication all the time because I've got shit to do, you know? So yeah, I think it depends from person to person. Important to just take the time to make sure that you know what you want and to adjust it accordingly. And then when you're dating someone as well, to communicate with each other about what your communication styles are, like asking them, how often do you like to speak to someone that you're dating? Allow them to ask you that too. What is gonna work with your schedule? How can we make sure that this is compatible, that we can spend time together and that we can both make sure that, you know, we're feeling like fulfilled in this connection, in this entanglement, in this relationship. Talk to each other about it because if you do really like each other and it's mutual, then you'll wanna know. You know, they'll wanna know how to communicate with you so that it works for you. You wanna know how to communicate with them so it works for them and you can find a middle ground. How do I be honest with myself without deflecting? I think radical self-acceptance is important and being present, knowing that like every moment of your life has led up to this specific point each second that passes and being able to just accept that you can't change anything that's already happened, okay? You can only change the way that you see it. You can only change the way that it's going to affect you moving forward. You can only change the way that you respond to things that come up that might be similar to that. You don't want to have the same challenge over and over and over again and make the same mistake. So being honest with yourself is just like accepting that you don't know everything. Like you didn't know everything, you know, maybe slightly more than you did. And there's still so much more for you to learn and for you to know as well. So 
just accepting that it's like, it is what it is. And what am I going to do about it? Focus on that part. Like what choice am I going to make to change my outcomes if the way that things have gone so far are not desirable to me? What's that saying? It's like the best time to plant a tree was 20 years ago and the next best time is today. So making that decision. And I think, again, I always talk about meditating and journaling. Those practices help so much. And a good way to think about it is like, there are all these tools that we have to interact with the outside world, but we also need tools that allow us to engage with our inner world. And that's what meditation practice does. Things like yoga, things like journaling, just writing thought dumps, or like even just using specific um, written cues. I always talk about the six pillars of self-esteem by Nathaniel Brandon. There's a lot of writing exercises in that book which will prompt you to think about certain things that you might not usually think about or you might not usually take the time to really reflect on and write out. So I feel like the practice of just literally drawing thoughts out from your brain through your hand onto a piece of paper is so therapeutic. It's just something that you need to do on a consistent basis to really reap the benefits of. It's not like, oh, you do it once and then you feel great and your life changes. It's a practice. You know, it's the same way as training a muscle. You need to, it's the same way as like having to regularly take out the trash. You can't just like gather up all your trash into a giant pile and then like move it out once a year. You need to do it on a weekly basis. And I think that's the same way with just making sure that you're clearing out your mental cachet, right? So when you have that kind of foundation, a foundation of radical, like with meditation and journaling, and then a practice of radical self-acceptance and acceptance of others, then you're in a better position to accept things as they are, have an awareness around how you want things to be different, and then make a choice in how you act to ensure that that is the case, right? Easier said than done, but it doesn't mean it's not worth doing. You know, a lot of people say like, oh, it's so hard to like unlearn things, blah, blah, blah. Okay, and did you think it was going to be easy? Like, it's not. Life is hard, babes, okay? And we need to put in effort and try to be as consistent as we can in order to move ourselves into the direction that we want to go. And it's not always going to be overnight. Like everything that I've achieved has taken me fucking forever. I was thinking like three months, six months, I'll get this shit done. Five years later, 10 years later, I'm still working on it. And when I focus more on like the process of being able to learn and build and grow and connect with other people and see how something that I thought about when I didn't know that much, how my knowledge around something grows and evolves, that is so much more rewarding to me than any accolade or end goal that I might be aiming for. So it takes effort to get things done. It takes effort to change things. And I think because there are so many things we can do and buy and acquire with what appears to be little effort, you know, like this instant gratification thing, it fucks with our perception of what it takes to actually do things or what it takes to change something just within ourselves. And then we deflect and try to change everything else. Instead, we try to get everything to bend to our will, but that's not the vibe. Okay. It's never really going to work the way that you think it is. I think that's a good place to stop because I'm getting to the 40 minute mark, I think. And yeah, I appreciate anyone that's answered questions. I hope I could give you even just a little bit of clarity. At the end of the day, I don't expect people to do what I say. I can only give you like my opinion and my perspective. And 
I will always encourage people to listen to themselves, figure out what's right for you, because what's right for me might not be right for you. We were born in different places. We've had different experiences. We have different goals. So it's important to hone in on who you are and what you want. And that's not easy because everything is designed to distract us from that, basically, whether intentionally or unintentionally. But each day or with each trigger and challenge, using that as an opportunity to return to yourself is so important. And at first you'll be like, who the fuck am I? I have no idea. And that's normal. Okay. So don't feel bad about it, but yeah, be self-compassionate, work on radical self-acceptance, acceptance of other people. You don't know, like who can say with certainty what's going to happen to them tomorrow. It's hard to say, right? You might have an idea of what you want to do, but you can't guarantee it's going to go the way you want it to. So with that in mind, how can you predict that with that in mind, like, and you living in your body and experiencing your consciousness, how can you say with any certainty what somebody else should do in order to get a certain outcome, to predict a certain outcome for them, right? That's why it's so hard to change other people because you can't, okay? You're not in their head. Anytime you get to a point where you wish you could climb into someone's brain and understand them better, you're already doing too much. Do less, okay? So... Thank you so much for listening. I'm going to leave this episode here. I might do another part um, with questions from other sources I received. I just need to compile them better in preparation. But yeah, I really appreciate everyone for listening. Thank you so much. I have a PayPal link in the description if you have gotten anything out of the podcast and you want to send me a tip, feel free. I really appreciate it. I mean, ideally I can keep this ad free. I think so far I haven't really monetized at all. I just do it for the love of talking into the air and getting my thoughts out. So yeah, I really appreciate the support and I'm going to take the next two months, I think, to just sort of like marinate on some other topics, have new thoughts, organize my life, have organize my life. I have so much shit I have to deal with. Um, and yeah, hopefully we can get back for season four. I had no idea that I'd even be able to make another season after the first season or this would even be a thing. So truly so grateful and appreciative and yeah, can't wait to see where the podcast goes, where friend crush goes, so many ideas and yeah, any other follow-up questions, send me a message on the friend crush account. Um, you can leave a comment in the Spotify part of this episode and yeah, make sure you tell your friends and family, you love them, drink water, journal, meditate, you know how it is. And I'll speak to you soon. Bye. Love you. (laughs)